to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting their system. I'm your host, Mandy Walls. Find me at LNXCHK on Twitter. Hi, welcome to Pages to the Limit. Today we're going to talk about incident communications. Uh, Sharing updates with your team, your management, and your customers is an important part of managing an incident. I'm Mandy Walls. We're joined today by Alina Anderson from Smartsheet. Alina is a Senior Technical Program Manager for Observability Engineering at Smartsheet. Welcome to the show, Alina. Hi, Mandy. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. So we're recording live in our booth at PagerDuty Summit. We're going to talk a bit about Alina's session at Summit and um, some other things. Uh, So to get us started, how would you describe incident communications for anyone sort of new to it or doesn't really know exactly what it means? So the way I think about incident communications is essentially getting the right context to the right people at the right time. So often we're hyper-focused on solving the technical problem, but the team responsible for telling customers the issues resolved didn't get the memo. And so they're just kind of waiting and ultimately the customer suffers. Yeah, definitely. How did you get started? Like, how did this like get onto your radar? Our organization at Smartsheet, we have scaled rapidly. We're a hyper-growth company. Our technical response did not keep pace with that organizational scale. And last year, we had a major outage, and this really broke open the gaps across the company in where we didn't have process in place. We didn't have the communication infrastructure in place for the entire organization to react to a major incident like that. And like, as you're like thinking about those kinds of incidents and the way those things happen, sort of at what point did you start thinking about like the actual communications part? Like, was that part from the very beginning? Is it maybe the the reason to, to look at it in the first place? Any response to any incident is communication to your customers. Like you are making a choice on how you're communicating to your customers, regardless of what processes you have in place or don't have in place. So the lack of an external update to customer about service status, because maybe you don't have a team where that's their job, is communication. But unfortunately, what it's communicating to your customer is that their pain isn't important to you, that they can't trust you, that you are not earning their loyalty. And oftentimes, too, like within your company, you have field teams. So you have sales or CSMs, and they're frustrated, and they don't feel like engineering cares about their pain because they're having to hop on a call with a customer who's angry and frustrated. So the, the lack of an ability to update the right people at the right time is communicating oftentimes what you don't want. So it's really about pivoting that to create intentional and proactive communication channels that are communicating the message that you want, which for all of us, I think uh, I've heard a lot of different themes at Summit this week around trust and loyalty. And you know now we're in this 24-7. Everyone's depending on their SaaS tools. And so everyone, when something's not working, like everyone wants to know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're at a point now where like saying nothing says a lot about yeah, what, yeah. what you're really thinking about the, the people right. who depend on you. So. Yeah. And so I guess for me, it's not, oh, now I'm going to create this communication process. It's no, you're already communicating, but it's figuring out a way to more effectively communicate and land the message that you want. It sounds like you went through this 
this whole process sort of in a, in a combined way with your new incident response and like all these kinds of things, like how has sort of improving your communications, has it helped you improve your overall response process and all the other things that you're sort of thinking about with that? Yeah. In my experience, you know, SmartSheet has really great culture and I love the people that I work with. And so often you have a group of really well-intentioned folks. They're working their tails off on their task and we overlook the bigger picture, which is how information travels throughout the organization, how, you know, information has to go from one team to another for the other team to do their job. And so that was really where we, you know, really dug in and tried to figure out what roles and responsibilities make sense and how can we divide things up in a way so that we're removing dependencies and we're making those boundaries more clear so that the technical team can focus on, hey, I just, you know, need to make sure that I get these bits of information out and then, you know, support and other folks can run off and do their their end of it. Kind of like a relay race, I guess, is mm-hmm. an analogy that I would think of. Yeah, those handoffs are, are pretty important. You want that to go well. So what other teams did you involved in, in this? Is there um, a role to play for folks outside of your engineering organization? Um, yeah, absolutely. So we have a communications response team that gets spun up for major incidents. And so, you know, we have representation from support, you know, folks for social media, they're monitoring customer signal. So they're ensuring that we have a really close eye on, you know, are we getting a signal from support cases or uh, social media or field teams, that kind of thing. And they're crafting, you know, any messaging that needs to go out or any, you know, framing. And so the technical team is really able to just focus on addressing whatever the service issue is and getting it back up as soon as possible. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like a whole other sort of set of experience or, or set of expertise that you're bringing to bear on yeah, the whole and, process. And I think, you know, into working on the presentation, there's one slide that actually really captures that. And it was really that moment of seeing what we see day to day, like in a picture and like, wow, there's actually a handful of work streams that have to splinter off you know, there's a technical team, but their information that they pass on to the business teams, they all are running off on their separate work streams across all the different touch points we have with our customers. Ultimately, what we want is the customer to have a consistent experience across the organization on a particular issue that they're concerned about. So they're getting the same communication and message, whether they're reaching out to support or their CSM or their account manager. And those roles within the organization also feel equipped to have that conversation with the customer. Mm -hmm. Do you send them through special training? Are they like sort of internally certified for that or... That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> Sounds like a good a good next year roadmap project. You know, I think right now we we just have a lot of people that really care about the customer experience and are really engaged and we're just figuring it out as we go and continuing to make iterative improvements. Yeah, as part of that whole learning process, like what's what's been surprising? Has there been anything that you really weren't expecting to find while you were doing this work? What has been surprising to me, I think, is that a strong incident response culture actually requires personal development, like teams, a culture of psychological safety and continuous learning. And it requires everyone to attempt to keep a cool head, to kind of manage under really high stress conditions 
and to remain kind. And when something's broken, it's very easy to, you know, for someone to snap or point fingers or that kind of thing. And my observation, like I didn't really quite make that connection until now looking back and setting the people first foundation actually allows your processes to iterate much more effectively because it gives you a North star to really focus on. And and is the process serving the people is the process serving this culture that we need, you know, and not just about having a great tool. It's the people part. I think that has been the most surprising to me in terms of how that can make or break your process. Yeah. Like if we can dig into a little bit, like, was that something else that you needed to really work on with your folks? Did you sort of have that culture naturally already or is there other exercises you're doing? Yeah, we Smartsheet already had a, you know, we've won best place to work a bunch of times in Washington. And we already had this starting foundation. The challenge has been maintaining that as we grow, going from 100 engineers to now, you know, almost 400 across the globe. And so how do you maintain that culture? And how do you keep that blameless PIR practice going. And as you grow, it it requires a little bit more formalization and training. And you can't quite rely on, you know, that small group of people that are just all on the same page. You have to translate it through the organization a little bit more intentionally. Can you share with us how you've done that? Are you doing seminars or internal training? Yeah. So, so we have a weekly operations review. And this has actually been a huge opportunity of learning for our organization because we pick a few post-incident reviews every week and the whole, you know, engineering managers and ICs and leaders get together and we just talk through like, okay, what did we see here? What learnings from this can be translated out to all the other teams? And so it's, it's a culture of learning around, okay, what did we learn here? And if there is, everyone often knows, sometimes there's a human, you know, human error that causes an issue. And the dialogue is not, oh my gosh, how could that person possibly have made the mistake? But it's where in the system are we allowing human error to impact our customers and how do we remove it? Keeping the focus there really enables, I think, people to feel free to be honest and be transparent around where the gaps are and not try to, you know, hide or cover anything. Like we talk a lot about this with the the blameless postmortems work that we do, some of the workshops and the ops guide around that stuff. Did you find in your organization that people were receptive to it? Did they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as if you're a scaling company and growing company, and you become more of a melting pot with folks from all different kinds of companies, which, you know, some people come to Smartsheet because where they were before was definitely not blameless and they didn't like it. Right. And so I think it's on leaders within the engineering organization to demonstrate the behavior and to ensure that we are making it safe for someone to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, like this is what happened. Then we can collectively say, okay, how do we automate this in a way that's not requiring the one single person who got the one single email notification about the thing to do an action? Awesome. Sweet. Well, okay. So 
One segment that we always have on our episodes of the podcast are debunking a myth. So talking about instant communications, but like expanding it a little bit more too. Like we can, you know, pick into blameless postmortems or some of the other things we sort of talked about. Is there any uh, myth or common misconception or anything about some of the things we've talked about that you come across from and you feel like you're, you're always telling people the same thing? Yeah, I think, especially as I get deeper into this specific area, instead of communications, it's not marketing's job. It's not, well, marketing, that's their problem, or they're going to figure it out, or like the speed and quality of information that comes out of the technical team is critical, is absolutely critical. You know, on the relay race idea, you are the first one out and the faster and more accurate you are of enabling all those other teams within your organization, the faster the customer, the customer is going to be maybe even delighted that like, wow, you even told me about this before I noticed it. And you really have my back, especially for any customers that have like IT admins as a, like a key, key customer, like the IT admin has to answer to everyone in their organization. And it's not fun for, you know, all of your, your teams to be, you know, pestering you like, what's going on with this, this tool that we have? And you're trying to ping the vendor and the vendor isn't communicating. So we put those IT admins in a really uncomfortable place if we're not effectively doing this. And yeah. so I think, you know, the myth that this communication is, is like, oh, it's communication. It's not technical. You know, actually like, instrument so that an engineer doesn't have, you know, can automatically push required information out to other teams that can go do their thing. Have you found like your customers are appreciative of the changes you've made? Have they sort of reported back that they, they oh, absolutely. all this stuff? Our, our CSM teams and support teams are very excited and they're able to self-service. And instead of just pinging a guy who knows a guy about the issue, they're just able to go and check and say, hey, like what's going on here? Awesome. That's fantastic. All right. So now we have a couple of other things we like to ask folks. Two sort of side-by-side questions. So um, the first one is, what's one thing you wished you would have known sooner or earlier in your career when it comes to like this whole practice of running software in production and like all the fancy business that goes along with that stuff? I wish I would have known sooner that these are really tough problems that no one has actually solved or has the answers to. You know, for a long time, I felt like I was behind the curve or like, oh, like I just, you know, we must like this must be a solved problem. And then now, especially getting involved with the PagerDuty community and a lot of great vendors, uh, we work with Datadog and Elasticsearch and AWS. And it's like, wow. Like so many organizations are grappling with these same challenges. And for me, I think the current state of the world and the new remote workforce, like the next generation of innovation is going to come in this communication space. Like this is where, in my opinion, the leading edge is because we're going to have to get communication out to our users faster than ever before. Companies are depending on our products to run their businesses. They can't afford downtime. And if there's something impacted, they need to know immediately. And so I think I'm I'm excited to see sort of what that next gen of of tools and and products looks like. Yeah. Have you seen a lot of changes in the way your your team communicates? Has this helped them out as they've been, everybody's been affected by a work from home and like all this other changes? Were you guys mostly remote before or? 
it helps surface where we just have verbal communication and we're not actually documenting or having something run through a tool because it's tougher to just walk by somebody, you you can't walk by somebody's desk and get the update on the incident, right? Like there actually has to be that practice and that discipline around documenting, you know, the exact life status, what's going on and all those, those types of things. Like there's no red light attached yeah. to the wall at the end of the cubicle yeah. row that right. nobody can look at, right? And right. <laughs> right. Or, or not. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, last question then. Um, is there anything about all this stuff that you're glad we didn't ask you? My backlog. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's so many exciting things. And especially with, you know, PagerDuty announcing some new features, like the support product is really interesting to me. I mentioned this in the Q&A and the talk yesterday, where in this space, when you're working on communications for an organization, it often feels like two steps forward, one step back. You can definitely feel like, oh, we're not making progress. But if you step back and you look at it, you can often, oh yeah, we actually are moving forward. But the nature of of the, um, the beast is just that there's always a huge backlog. There's always huge improvements. There's always kind of a new set of people that want to be informed. You may have a new leader that comes in and says, Hey, I, I need, you know, an SMS to my phone when this happens. So you're just sort of on that continuous improvement and, and you just have to be, okay, what is that incremental improvement that maybe would get a, get something out two minutes faster or five minutes faster? And sometimes that's huge. Yeah. Is there anything that um, for organizations that want to get started in this, is there anything you'd recommend they, they start looking at or where they, um, where they should start? Yeah. My recommendation is take your next PIR post-insert review. And as part of that timeline, layer in your communication or lack of communication in there. So when you say, okay, detection, you know, was at this time by this whatever tool Okay, when did we actually declare an incident? Okay, when did we page in this team? Okay, when did we notify support? Or, hey, support wandered into our war room and asked, like, what's going on? Like, capture those things in there. Capture the first customer communication that went out. So once you're able to start to start looking at that, and then you can say, whoa, it took us 36 minutes to get an update to our strategic customers. And then that gives you a baseline because you may actually be like, wow, okay, like we did great in 10 minutes and we're all pretty comfortable with 10 minutes. And now we just need to formalize what we're already doing versus, wow, we're not comfortable with 30 minutes whatsoever. And what are we comfortable with? Like, do we want to try seeing if we can do this five minutes faster next time? Yeah, excellent. You got to start with the data as it is and yeah. and then figure out your Cuz sometimes there. perception and reality are very different. Absolutely. Um, People are screaming on Twitter, it may have only been a couple of minutes before that they've noticed it rather than yeah. any yeah. real delay. Right. And sometimes it's setting expectations. If there's a certain audience that needs a notification instantaneous, that's going to be a different tooling notification than if it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this has been great stuff. We're at the end of our time. Uh, for folks listening to our podcast here, uh, Lena's session, Incident Communications Made Easy from PagerDuty Summit. It's going to be available on demand. Check out the summit.pagerduty.com 
website for that. And eventually those things will move to YouTube, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Thank you, Alina, for, for coming. Thanks, Mandy. It's super fun. I could talk about this stuff all day. I love it. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This is Mandy Walls wishing you an uneventful day. That does it for another installment of Page to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pageittothelimit.com and you can reach us on Twitter at pageittothelimit using the number two. That's pageittothelimit. Let us know what you think of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, uneventful days are beautiful days.